Hello everyone, this is Michael from Kendo World and welcome to our latest KED Talk. Today we're very happy to be joined by Giuseppe Piva from Italy, uh, from Milan in Italy. Uh, Giuseppe is uh, Renshi Rokudan in both Kendo and Iaido. Uh, in addition to uh, his Kendo studies and the Iaido studies, uh, he has his own business, uh, which deals in samurai armor, art, swords, and other types of Japanese art. Uh, he is also a member of the International Netsuke Society. And Netsuke are small ornaments that are hang, hung on uh, kimono obis. And also he's a member, a board member of the Japanese Armor Society. So uh, Giuseppe, welcome to KED Talk. Uh, thank you, Michael, for inviting me, and hello to all, everybody. Thanks very much for uh, for joining us. And I must say that out of all the guests that we've had on KED Talk so far, you have the most impressive background. Uh, <laughs> uh, many other people have done the, the the Zoom, the like I'm using the, uh, the background. Yeah, but you have uh, the, the most stunning real background there. I got the real one, yes. <laughs> so I think you've got everyone's attention right from the beginning. Um, so as I mentioned in your, your introduction that you're Renshi Rokudan in both Kendo and Iaido, and uh, um, Giuseppe was actually about to come to Japan to take Nanadan gradings, 7th Dan gradings of both of them, but then unfortunately um, Corona started, so... Getting into Japan at the moment is uh, is very difficult for any reason, uh, never mind just doing kendo. So during the whole um, corona situation, COVID-19, uh, how has your practice been? Well, uh, firstly, about the uh, Yaido, I came train because every morning I train here in my gallery before opening, I had one hour as a keiko. It's because, you know, yeah, you can do by yourself. I use videos. I send videos to my sensei. Um, and, of course, with Kendo, that really depends on the dojo openings. We are training in school, so we have been a lot for, for quite a few times. Uh, but then we reopened and, and things are going quite well. Not many people, but, yes, we are, we are now on a full schedule, on a normal training. Yeah, was, we had the same situation, well, for me in Japan, because the club that I'm a member of uses a junior high school dojo. And this was just after the summer when things got pretty bad here again. Any, any club, any activity, it doesn't have to be kendo, that was renting school properties or school places or halls, they were all, all cancelled. But thankfully that started up again uh, in October, I believe, and situation's just getting a bit a bit bad again here now. So maybe that will be stopped. But you know, we just uh, just do what we can, I guess. Yeah, we just cross our fingers and, and let's hope that the government decide not to lock down again. <laughs> yeah, let's hope not. Um, so as I mentioned before, that you're um, Rokudan in both kendo and iaido. So which yeah. came first for you was it? Kendo first and then uh, the Ido? So what I do now, I basically uh, started together 30 some years ago. But before that, I had a Yaido train for one year when I was like 17 or 18. But for, 
with a different school. So uh, I started with the idol, that, then I stopped it. Then after one year stop, I started Kendo and immediately Yaido with the same teacher. Uh, we had luck to have a Japanese uh, teacher here in Milan and he was doing both. So I restarted Yaido again with the style how now I'm doing. Yeah. Okay, so you've been in both of them now for around 30 years? 30, yeah, 33, 34 years. Yeah. Have you spent much time for, for Kendo and the Idol or both of them training in Japan? Well, uh, yeah, for my job, I used to come to Japan three, four times a, a year. Uh, I, I have uh, a teacher for Yaido, so when uh, I come to Japan, I stay in his place with Dojo for three, four days every time, so I can train every day with him for Kendo and Yaido, but basically for Yaido. Then uh, when I go to Kyoto, I try to practice every every evening, based, uh, normally at the Butokudan. And, and so, yes, I can train in, in Japan every three, four months. That, of course, everything before Corona. Right, right. I actually, I saw sometime on Facebook, I saw a picture of you doing the Kangeiko at Osaka University. <laughs> was that right? Yeah. That was, that was quite a few times ago. Yeah, I, I have some memories about that. I remember the frozen floor. <laughs> <laughs> that's, that's a really famous uh, Kangeko experience. Yeah. I think. I think it's is it fifteen days, I believe, or if yeah. it's the whole thing. Uh, yes, of course. I didn't do all of it. I did like three or four days. Uh, luckily, I immediately started when I got to Japan, so I didn't have the jet lag. Uh, waking up at four o'clock. Right. <laughs> But yeah, I remember I couldn't feel my feet. It was literally like walking on the ice. And when I was doing with a lower grades, I could keep uh, my uh, tummy uh, on. But when I was doing with it done, I removed them and I couldn't feel my feet. <laughs> one of my memories of it. But it was, yes, a very, very good experience and recommend to everybody. So I guess you must have met Alex Bennett at, at those Kangeko? Yeah, I think so. I can't remember because it was quite a few years ago. Oh, okay, okay. Yeah, because he works works in Osaka so or lives up near there somewhere. So, uh, oh, sorry, no, he lives in Kyoto, but but I know he, he has practiced there, done the Kangeko experience unfortunately it's a long way for me and and i wouldn't be able to leave my wife with the kids for for two weeks to go and get bashed up at kendo but uh, i can't remember who it was it must have been a mutual friend of ours on facebook and i was looking at one of their kendo pictures and i then i saw you and i thought oh i have to mention that to you i haven't seen that pictures i, I if you come across them again message me because oh, i would like to <laughs> i will do so, um, so you obviously yeah, spent lots of time doing Iaido and Kendo um, in Japan. So you just mentioned a little while ago that you were doing three or four 
business trips to um, to Japan each year. Yeah. And I guess um, just so I make sure I get this right, that you have your own business. Um, yes. Called uh, where is it? Uh, Giuseppe. Uh, that's my name. Yes. That's correct. Yes, I have my own business, which I began like 15 years ago, maybe 20 years ago. I can't remember exactly. And I deal only in uh, Japanese antiques with a, a specific interest in, uh, in armors uh, and swords. So which came first? Before we get into more detailed conversation yeah. about your, your business and, and the works of art and such, but... Which came first? Was was it Kendo and Iido uh, led to your interest in Japanese art, or was it Japanese uh, art into into those? Okay, I tell you, I had uh, a feeling for Japan as, as since I was a child. I think uh, we uh, we had to give an examination at primary school when we are ten years old, and I brought my examination about Japan. So. And it was a 10. Uh, so I always had a feeling for Japan and martial arts. Before Kendo, during my youth, I had been practicing karate. I stopped just when I got uh, like a, a shodan. And, uh, and that's about Japan. But my work, busy. Is a family tradition, so I am a third generation antique dealer. So before opening my own business, I had been working with my my dad for uh, ten years, uh, dealing in uh, Italian old master paintings and works of art. So when I decided to open my own business, uh, I immediately switched to uh, to Japanese art, which is what uh, I always had a feeling for. So that was quite easy for me, you know, to have to go to Japan for business. That was right. And I was already between Kendo and Yaido for many years. So yes, Kendo was before this. Oh, okay. Yeah. So you just mentioned before then you're the third third generation in yes. the family of antique dealing. So your, I guess your father and your grandfather. You mentioned your your father was into Italian uh, yes. paintings and your grandfather yeah. as well. And yes, uh, general antiques, you know, ceramic furniture, uh, normal antique. Yeah. So how how difficult then was the transition to move from Italian art into into Japanese art? Uh, not much. Well, now I don't want to exaggerate about business because here we are with Kendo people. But let's say that half of my job is knowing how to do this job, regardless of what you did, so how to deal with people, with prices, with other dealers, uh, with uh, you know, trips, uh, with colleagues, uh, many things. And then there is another 50%, which is, a, is, is technical. So knowing about the artistic uh, um, uh, 
things, uh, history, art history, and uh, recognizing the quality, recognizing restoration, over restorations, uh, and that you learn uh, with practice and study, like Kenya. I see. So, the, what were some of the first Japanese works of art that you you were able to acquire for your business? Was it the something like the the samurai armor that you can see? Behind? Yeah, yeah. I immediately had a feeling for armors, so I uh, began. Uh, I think my first uh, first purchase in Japan because I had also bought something at the Western auctions but not armors. The, my first purchase in uh, Japan was actually a suit of armor, yeah. Uh, and I sold, uh, I remember very, very well to an old client of my, my father who had a house in London, so I flew to London, uh, mountain it's, uh, I, I remember very perfectly because it was uh, my Number one. Okay. Oh, so it's not just selling the the set of armor or the the, the artwork to the customer. You would actually go to their. It really depends. Their... It really depends. Normally, now I just ship because okay. I, yeah, I, most of my clients are abroad, so I just ship to you, US and Northern Europe, wherever. If uh, the client, I am now. An armor here, which I sold to uh, a friend who is uh, literally literally at twenty meters from my house. So I will do uh, bring, uh, have a gin and tonic and mount the. Because <laughs> yeah, I, I would imagine like giving a, a or selling a set of armor to someone. It, it's if, if you buy a painting, you literally just have to yeah. hang it on the wall. But a set of armor, I imagine there's a lot more, a lot more aftercare yeah. service you, you would have to. Yeah, but it's not worse than, than selling uh, marble sculptures, which I always admire. Those who need four to five people to just move one piece. Right, right. That's easier. You can just bring it to the. <laughs> And put it in your pocket, and you can travel the world with your all all collection. <laughs> right, right. So this uh, this set of armor that you've got at yeah. the moment, just behind you, that is your own personal one, or that is something? No, no, no. It's one for Yes, that's actually it's uh, probably my um, latest acquisition. It's not even on my website, so. Okay. Yeah. So, from from what what period uh, is this? This is a mid Edo period. Most of the armor which are uh, now on the market are mid uh, to late Edo period, maybe early Edo period. It's very difficult to get three Edo armor because they were uh, less used. Uh, you know, during a, a Wars, uh, uh, only a few of the samurai was wearing a full suit of armor. Most were just having a door and not even a helmet. They were using a jigaza, which is it's like a hat, uh, or having only maybe just a sunate and kote. So uh, the full 
Because the suits of armor from the medieval times are extremely rare, and you can basically see them only in museums or a few very important collections. Uh, Momoyama period, so Muromachi Momoyama period is uh, where all the movies are, you know, uh, are set. So uh, it's a uh, hundred years period of uh, uh, wars between different daimyo and states. So you can have uh, armors from that period, but normally just uh, individual pieces. You can see uh, full sets, but it's quite rare. From the Edo period, so uh, here, uh, 1600 to 1867. It's almost almost three centuries where Japan is uh, ruled by the warriors. Uh, but there are no wars, no real fights. So the armor became uh, became a status symbol. Uh, the more important was. Uh, your clan, the richer you have to be dressed. So most of the impressive armors you also see now in the museum and collection are from the Edo period. And they were built as if you need to go for war. So you use iron, you use leather, you use all the uh, uh, normal and traditional technique, but they actually never have been interbattled. So this this set behind you here, this this one wouldn't have been used in a in a battle. It's more no, because there was there were no battles in Japan. It, it was a very long uh, 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 how can you say a very long period of peace. So no wars, nor in within Japan, nor outside. At the beginning of Edo period, of late Momoyama, they tried to invade uh, Korea, uh, but uh, that's only because they didn't know what to do with all the soldiers that came from 100 years of battles. Then when Japan got uh, united under the uh, Tokugawa shoguns, uh, then uh, there was no need for uh, armor, uh, if not just for uh, official occasions. Okay. Like, you know, there was a, actually there it was a use in Japan for all the Edo period. It's called Sankin Gotai. Um, and all the daimyo had to uh, come to Edo, to Tokyo, once a year, and they had to do with the uh, lavish parade. So everybody was forced to invest in armors uh, and horses and everything. And that were, that's where most of the good armors uh, are from, from the, this kind of events. Right, right. So the the set that's behind you now, yeah. are there any like special features to that set? Is there anything that's kind of different? From well, uh, yes, actually, I picked up these uh, 
this is uh, the set because uh, the door is is a flat iron uh, uh, door which uh, reminds of the door of uh, of the candle bubble. Normally, on the door you would see also all the silk lacing and it would be made with you know individual plates uh, either small or large or horizontal. This one uh, with a flat door is a quite rare. It's called uh, Hotoke Do. And uh, I choose this because it reminds me of, of course, the Do. Yeah, I was, I was looking at that. And yeah, like you just mentioned, usually you would see the, the, the door made of many small plates that are stitched yeah. together or, and, and lots yeah. of delicate embroidery yes. designs. But this one, yeah, very plain, but very, very yeah. striking. It, uh, I was just thinking, yeah, it really does look like, um, really does look like a, a doll that we would uh, that we would wear in in kendo. Yeah, uh, there is a a consideration that needs to be done because it must be clear that during uh, battles, swords were not that used. Okay. Uh, when the Japanese armor was invented, so we are talking a young period, like a thousand years ago, it was like in Europe. So most of the of the wars were uh, done by a, a, a few noblemen just quarrel in duels uh, and not real armies. In that period. The main weapon was the bow. So they were just uh, do. And that's when the Japanese armor was born. So if you see uh, old armors or paintings depicting old samurais, they were always on a horse. And the armor was made to fit a horseman. Also, all the features were invented were made to protect the warrior against arrows. So you would see the, the shoulder guards on medieval armors are much bigger, larger. So it's like if you wear a shield on your side. Right, right. Also, on the helmet, uh, this is a very typical of the Japanese armor in uh, no European helmet, you you see these small ears, these small turnback. In medieval armor, it's huge, and it goes down near the face, and then it comes back. Then again, this was against arrows. Then when the war changes, you know how Japanese are made; they, they just keep tradition. So they didn't reinvent the armor; they just changed a little. So the, so the, the, the shoulder guard was shrinking. The, the Fukigaeshi again shrinking. Uh, the groin protection, which, you, which was divided in only four parts, uh, and you could not really walk it just for horse riding, then it was split in eight parts, so you, you can also walk with that. Uh, so the armor, as we know it, uh, derives from the medieval armor that 
has been slightly changing during the centuries, but not that much. They were already uh, using you know, silk lacing and uh, leather and, and, and iron scales. Uh, the handmade was basically uh, of this shape. Uh, yes, of course, there are variations, but not that much as it happens with the Europeans' uh, military gears. I see. So, uh, the, so the, the, again, just talking about this armor that you've got behind. Yeah. Obviously, we've said that the, or you've mentioned that the door is very, very similar. Uh, yeah. in one piece to a, to a regular set of kendo armor. Are there other parts of that bogu that are kind of very closely related to, to kendo armor? Uh, yes. Let's say that all the kendo bogu derives from uh, the samurai armor. Um, but again, we must uh, realize that uh, during a Zord duel, you were not you were not supposed to wear an armor. Otherwise, we wouldn't we wouldn't hit on on men or cote because that's where protection is. We do that so we don't harm our uh, our opponents. But uh, in uh, in an actual duel, you would not hit on an armor. So there are old school who actually use swords uh, or bakizashi uh, the, under the door or inside the throat, but it's not very popular because all sword uh, uh, schools uh, and even those uh, related to uh, Modern kendo was actually meant to be used without armor. So the the kendo bow, the kendo armors, uh, derives from the the samurai armor, but originally were not related. Kendo and armor. This is just a modern thing that prevents us to uh, be hit and and suffer. So let's see how uh, we can relate. Uh, first of all, the names of the various uh, items are nearly similar. I mean, Kote is Kote also on a uh, historical armor. What changes is that uh, on uh, an antique armor, you have the old armor. Which is Kote, not oh. only for. Okay, ah, so, so the Kote will come from the your, your yeah. wrist up to the. Oh, yeah. so this is the full sleeve and included also the Tenko. Uh, I have seen, uh, but not many, like two or three Kote, which is very similar to our Kote, so only four armor, but it's not uh, very. Very common. Normally, a cote is a, is a sleeve that is tied at the armor, and then you you have two um, uh, blocks here on the fingers, and so it stays in place. But it, it's uh, 
it protects the all arm. So, so that's what the main difference. So ju just a quick question then. Would, yeah. I guess like this set of armor would have been made specifically for one person. Like he would, yeah. be, he would be measured like you're getting a, a suit yeah. measured somewhere. Okay. Yeah, 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 yeah. Normally, yes. That of course it really depends on the level of the armor. If it's a cheap armor, probably it was not made to measure. It's exactly how it happens now with clothes. You can right. you can go to a tailor, but you can also go to a, a cheap uh, maker and and have them. And there was no all rich samurai, not all samurai, because there was also warriors who who were not officially samurai in the old times. Uh, what is very similar, it's not really kendo, but in uh, Naginata, they, they use the sunyate, which are made exactly like uh, the old ones, with a vertical, uh, vertical protection and lace it in the exact, exact same way. So, if uh, anybody of you uh, has tried uh, to fight against uh, uh, Naginata, he also has been, uh, has been worn these, uh, these uh, sunyate, which are exactly the same. So what, what are those sunyate made from? Are they from, made from iron as well? Iron, iron, yeah, iron. There, there's a cloth and and a chainmail, and then iron strips, which just go um, vertical. On the inside, there are two uh, shorter ones and a leather pad. That's because you were meant to use a horse. And so this is go uh, in contact with the horse belly. And so you wouldn't hit with, with the iron. I see, I see. Okay. And that's all. Uh, then what is probably the most different part is the man. Uh, in Japanese, uh, man actually refers to the, the mask. N not the helmet. Oh, I see. We are and we think of a protection of the helmet. But actually, uh, a main would be the mask. The helmet is a kamado. Of course, in Kendo, we have only one item which includes both uh, a protection from the face and, and where we are hit. Uh, there is a neck guard. It's called uh, Shikoro, and that's where our kendo, you know, that the main part uh, derives from. And then attached at uh, the mask, there is a throat protection much larger than, uh, than ours, of course. But it's quite similar. Uh, what is a... Uh, very similar is uh, the dog. The dog in uh, this kind of armor is uh, made in two parts. 
the front and the back. It's called minimize door. So it's made in two pieces. And if we just remove the back and we use only the front one, it's very, very similar to our dome. You see the shape of the Monaita. Uh, it's very similar also. Uh, the construction, the Monet is divided from the rest as we have the embroiders and then we have the, the lacquers. Uh, one main difference is that, oh no, you don't see it, but on the door there is a touched, uh, let me just put down my camera, yeah, this, uh, which uh, is where our Dare. Uh, 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 derives from but in this armor is always attached directly to the door so this is one main difference okay in japanese armor almost always is attached to the door not as we wear it in kendo but that that tare it, 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 okay it's attached to the door but it still yeah. has the three or yes, and three or four odare? oh okay yeah yeah we, you normally you normally have three on the front and four on the back. So it's very similar. Also, the, the dimension and how it looks is very similar. Uh, one thing that's very curious that's uh, in Kendo Bobo, if you use a toggle, is a like for kids, you know? Yeah. The children use that. We just do a knot. All Japanese armor have a toggle. You see this? Yeah. And so that actually would be very traditional to have uh, <laughs> just a toggle instead of lacing with a knot. You do, and, you do, in Japan, you do see them, adults wearing that. the... the ah, really? Knot is very, very rare. Not, but no, many, no, many, no, not yeah. many at all. It's obviously, you see it kind of a lot with with young kids who, who are not yeah. quite able to tie knots yet. But yeah. I have seen some adults using a, a, a nice looking toggle. But yeah, it's yeah. very, very. Yeah, rare. but if you think about it, that would be very traditional because all Japanese armor habits. Right, right. It's not you know weird things or a fancy. Accessorize. It's normal. All the uh, original, original samurai arms are uh, lacing with toggles on the door. So yeah, that's a, a thing that we can you know. <laughs> yeah, and then of course uh, the um, the mask of the armor is uh, uh, naturally rendered, so it is completely different from. Our in Kendo, and where we needed to see that. Actually, I don't really think that this kind of mask have ever been used during battles. Uh, there are a few reasons for that. They are always very large, and uh, I wouldn't imagine a Japanese uh, warrior having big mask, uh, which is not really comfortable. Mm -hmm. And also when you look at old paintings, uh, the warriors are always illustrated 
without a mask. That's right. Yeah, yeah. There are many of them. Um, I believe that they were used either for, uh, you know, during parades or when the armor had to be displayed in a house or in a tokonoma, you know, and so it looks good because they are often really, really good works of art. Mm-hmm. Really, think they were actually using in battles. They they might have just a protection for the chin, also because of, um, another important role of the mask is that you uh, lace the helmet on these hooks or underneath it, and so it remains stable because it's very heavy. Otherwise, it, it would remove. So, r- roughly, how much or how heavy is uh, is a is a man? Uh, sorry, kabuto. Oh, a kabuto. A few kilos. I don't really know how many, but it's not. Uh, uh, it's not light. It's very. Uh, normally, it's all iron, so it could be you know three, four kilos. I don't really know. Also, the the shikoro, the neck neck uh, protection, which is often in iron, that also add weight. Wow. Uh, you would uh, normally uh, use a tenurui underneath, even in old uh, old Japan, original samurai. And then inside uh, the helmet, there is a cloth uh, uh, hemisphere. And so your head is not directly in contact with the iron. So uh, you would feel the weight, but it would be well distributed. Kind of suspended so, on top of Yes. On top exactly. of your head. Okay, okay. So r- roughly then the whole the whole set, uh, how how many kilos would a uh, it could be like a, a, like 15 kilos probably. Wow. Yeah. Yeah that's heavy. I I've seen very, very heavy sets. And also I've seen uh, light ones. Um, Normally the plates are both in iron or in hardened leather, bonded leather. Uh, Leather is a very strong material. It has always been used since the medieval times. And it's a is a, a lighter than iron. So the weight of the armor, uh, since they always share the same kind of uh, uh, armor parts, uh, the weight actually derived from how much iron and how much leather you have in your armor. If it's all iron, it would be extremely heavy. Mm-hmm. Normal bars like the Kusazuri, the, the one that uh, developed in Itare, that's normally leather because otherwise it would be unstable. You're walking with all the iron around your legs. But I haven't seen iron as well. So it's really, uh, it really depends. So yeah. it, it, is it also to do with like the, I suppose you're, your vital organs, like to, to, to protect them more yeah. in iron, like your head and, and, and your torso. But yes, yes, of course. And the head, well, uh, 
Artistically speaking, the helmet is the most important uh, part of the armor. It's where the armors is uh, uh, developed their, their own styles uh, and the beauty of construction, where they added a signature. Uh, so we have, when we speak about uh, a school of armorers, or if an armorer is uh, better than the other one, we are almost always uh, referring to Kabuto, to helmets, and uh, or masks, masks sometimes, but normal to helmets. Helmet is the most important, most difficult. Uh, element to create uh, and where you can really see masterpieces in uh, iron it's really great. The rest of the armor, yes, can be nice, can be well-fitted, can be rich, but it's not the real world of the uh, smith. The, the armorer would do it best on the counter. Okay, this this set that you've got behind you now is yeah. that is that heavier than a normal set because of yes. because yes, of because the door is all iron. Oh, I yeah. see. That's quite heavy. It's quite small actually. It's not uh, very big. It's slightly small, but not sure. But uh, yes, it's heavy. Of course, uh, the Akusazuri is in leather. And no, this is iron. The, the shoulder guard is iron. Um, since uh, normally the armor are covered with the lacquer, uh, we dealer and collectors of armors always uh, have a magnet in the, in the pocket, and we check with the magnet <laughs> whether the, the material underneath the lacquer is iron or leather. I see. We cannot maybe wait. And also there are some uh, um, mixes in the very early armor when, uh, when you have uh, iron and leather mixing together, that, that's a good thing because it, it means that it's an old piece. And so with a magnet, uh, you want to feel uh, back and forth, back and forth. <laughs> oh, oh, thanks. You're, you're teaching us some good tricks. <laughs> How to how to look at armor? There's actually what one question I would like to. You, you've spoken a bit about the, the the different parts and how they relate to kendo. Yeah. Question I'd like to ask you now. I don't know if this is true or not, but it's something that I've heard that on a kendo men, I forget the the, the name of the the actual name of the part, but the red the red yeah. that goes around. Yeah. Uh, is it membuchi? Um, Oh, anyway, the, the red part inside of the men, that, that actually comes from the fact that the inside of the samurai kabuto were also red. And the reason that they were red is to give a bit of color to the face of the samurai, meaning that if they were in a battle and they, they were scared, they might have gone kind of pale looking. And so they don't want to give that away to their opponent. So the red on the inside of the 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 kabuto was to kind of reflect a bit of color 
on their face. Is that, do you know, if, is that true or is that just... A well, I know, I know it's true that most of the Kabuto are red under the Mabizashi, so under the visor here. Most of the helmets are red. Why the red? I'm not sure. I've okay. never read an, an old source saying that it's for that reason. It might be, it might be not. I wasn't there, so I, okay. <laughs> I can't really say. It makes a good story, I think. But well, I yes, mean, there are many good stories about Japanese assaults and armors. Uh, uh, I think Japanese. Uh, uh, like stories, so uh, they always been uh, you know said and uh, and transmitted. They can absolutely be true, but I have no evidence, so I cannot say. <laughs> so you've also we we mentioned earlier on that uh, through your business that you deal in uh, armor and also folding screens like the yeah. one you've got behind yeah. you. And yeah. and and, uh, and the swords and uh, other works of Japanese art. We, in your business, which is kind of the most popular type of artwork that that people would buy from you? Well, from me, I it's where I got it in my business, which is hours and hours. So that's the answer to your question. Uh, but it's not because. There are, more requests than other things. That's because where I am specializing. So uh, not many of us now outside Japan, and on armor, not even within Japan. In Japan, there are many armor, uh, uh, many absorbed dealers, but not armor dealers. Armor dealers are like two or three good ones, I mean. Uh, Zord dealers, you have maybe a hundred. And outside Japan, only a few. Uh, armors, it's like a, a worldwide market where at a good level, we are really, really few. And so, yeah. What, why do you think that is, that, that the swords are more popular than armor? I mean, my guess would be that it's much easier to look after a sword than a, a set of armor? Um, I, actually, it's quite the opposite. Uh, it's very difficult to understand swords. The reason is historical. Swords in Japan have always, always been considered artworks. So 11th century, 12th century, a sword was not a weapon only. It was an artwork. And uh, we have proofs of that. We have gifts. We have emperors who uh, decided to give themselves to uh, Zord making. Uh, and I believe Zord is the first example in all mankind of abstract art. Because the beauty of the sword is just a balance of lines, of shapes, of, uh, of steel surface, of uh, uh, how it's quenched and the lines that design the temper line. And, it, and it's not casual, it's uh, really drawn before quenching the, uh, 
designs with clay. And so what you have on, uh, on Azure is never ever. It's all decided by the artist. And in Japan, Azure has always been, always been considered an artwork. So dealers and, and collectors were common during the Edo period, the Meiji period, and even before. Uh, all families, all important families have important swords. As for armors, it's quite recent. Um, in the uh, last few decades, there, there have been a, a huge uh, interest in armors. Even in Japan, it was not very popular. Uh, I have spoken to uh, old collectors, and they say that when they began collecting, you know, prices were so uh, cheap that you could buy everything, all good quality. And also, another proof is that at the end of the 19th century, when Japan opened its borders to Europe, they sold a, a lot of very important arms, and now uh, collections in the West, like uh, the, the Metropolitan Museums in uh, New York, uh, or we have an incredible museum in Florence uh, uh, made by an Englishman. Uh, they bought very good items for very low prices because Japanese people was, uh, were not really interested in arms. That did not happen with us with the swords. All important swords are in Japan. Yeah, so they uh, yeah, declared uh, uh, national treasures or important cultural properties. Uh, uh, of course, there are also important armors in museums, normally because they were owned by important generals or uh, well-known samurai. Yeah. Okay, but that's, as, as you mentioned, that's pretty okay. Kind of changing a little bit now, then with yeah, people. yeah, so absolutely. The, the the you're a board member of is the the Japanese Armor Society. So how yeah. how long has that been going? That's a, is that a kind of a fairly recent? Okay, so the the Japanese Armor Society is the Western branch of the Japanese Armor Society. Oh right, okay. Okay, so it's strictly related. The Japanese Armour Society uh, is quite old, not incredibly old, but it, it was uh, more uh, with a group of collectors and, uh, and scholars of, uh, of samurai armor. Then, as I say, the interest for uh, Japanese armor in the last uh, maybe 20, 30 years grew incredibly. And in these last few years, uh, uh, many of the most important collectors worldwide are outside Japan. Okay. So we created, uh, with uh, other friends, uh, uh, mostly collectors, uh, this uh, Western branch of the Japanese Armor Society, which is a... Uh, uh, very, very good club of very good people 
I suggest really if you have a slight interest in that, in Samurai Armors, you should subscribe. You will receive the Japanese magazine, you will receive the uh, English magazine once a year. Uh, and then we have organized trips uh, that have been. Uh, mm. It's like going on a school trips when you are 30, 40. <laughs> So you can imagine a group like maybe 40, 50 people, everybody going together. We, uh, we had uh, the first one in Italy, in, in Florence, uh, at the museum I was mentioning, the, the Stibert Museum. And then we grew up and organized uh, uh, a trip in all Europe. So there was an exhibition in Paris, then we went to Berlin to the... Samurai Museum and Pew together. Then uh, last one was just right before COVID was a uh, US. So we went all in New York uh, and we had the lectures at the Metropolitan, so handling session. We had the opportunity to wow. you know, see outside of the of the window of the of the showcases items. And we have uh, lectures and then we visited the private collectors who uh, agreed on showing the item. So we have seen one of the oldest collection outside J Japan. And, and that's really fun because we're all friends and we enjoy sharing. We have a very active forum on the internet where we uh, discuss uh, about, you know, artworks. So yeah. I recommend describing that. So just just for, for people that are listening to this, the name is the Japanese Armor Society, and exactly. their, page, their web page address is japanesearmorsociety.com, and I'll put that down in yeah. the description below. Thank you. I have Thank had you. a look at it before, and yeah, it's got some fantastic resources on there and, and great photography and great pictures and stuff. Um, so also, I understand that you've written um, a couple of books on yeah. Japanese armor. Are they recent publications? Well, one is not very recent because it was an exhibition I, I organized in, uh, in a museum here in Milan. It was on a specific collection. And that catalog, I think, is now sold out and it's very difficult to get. But I wrote another book, more general, and uh, it was just last year, so it is available on Amazon. I'm sorry it's only in Italian because they, um, that's how this publisher works. It has only books in Italian, so we might add another edition in English in the future, but it's not. And uh, that book, I think it's quite interesting because it's different from the usual books on Armour. Because it's divided in three parts, one historical, one technical, discuss the part, and one which is often missing in books, it's the artistic part. So I analyze all the different schools of Armoursmith and, uh, and see their history and their features. So I try to use new pictures because <clears throat> when you see Japanese books, they always share the same photographs. The items you see in books are always 
essay. This book, I, uh, I managed to get pictures uh, from uh, major collectors outside Japan, mostly. <clears throat> One is uh, the president of our, our society, Luke Thailand. Then uh, there is a very important collection in Berlin, as I mentioned, is a museum. It's called Samurai Museum. We open a new uh, location, uh, I think, in May this year. And they have an incredible collection, incredible. And uh, they were so kind to give me some pictures to use for my book for items which are very good level but have never been published. And then, of course, other private, other private collections. And uh, I think that's a good thing. Even if you can't really understand Italian, you can okay. just look at it. That would work. <laughs> <laughs> Okay, well, it's been a, we've been talking for almost an hour now. It's been a really fascinating talk. So for anyone really? listening, if you'd like to ask a question, please drop one in the comments now or in the chat function now. Um, but if not, I think we've just mostly spoken today about Kendo Armour, but on um, uh, Giuseppe's website, there's also uh, lots of great information uh, about folding screens that you can see behind him as well and the swords and and other items and I'll put the uh, website address for his for his business down in the comments so if you've got some um, spare money and, and would like to make a, a purchase of some really fantastic works of art I highly recommend looking at his website and uh, there's some great stuff on there and what's been particularly interesting I think talking today is just just from that set that you've 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 set up behind you just the uh, the real link that we can see between that and kendo is really not not that much of a difference and maybe the materials are are, are a bit different obviously but really it's it's um very very similar to what we're wearing now, particularly on that set that you've shown us, just with the with the um, with the with the iron doll, but it, it's really great, I think, to to go back to something that's a few hundred years old and and can it can relate to 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 what we're doing at the moment. So uh, yeah, it's it's been a really fascinating talk to hear about the the different parts of the the armor and your activities uh, in general. Uh, related to Japanese armor and also Japanese art. So, uh, Giuseppe, yeah, it's been a fantastic talk. Thanks very much. Thank you very much for inviting me. It's been an absolute pleasure. Um, yeah, it, it's uh, it's fantastic. I, I really recommend if if you're watching this to check out his website and also to check out the Japanese Armor Society uh, homepage as well, which will have lots more information. Uh, so, once again, Giuseppe, thank you very much. Thank you very much.